Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. But don't believe the lies and bring down what God has been doing within Paul's life for the work of that ministry. He says in verse 18, For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. It is the work of God. It is the ministry of God. It is the anointing of God. It's the leading of God. It's the empowering of God. And it is the results of God within people's lives. And yeah, he just uses cracked, chipped, and stained vessels to make his will known and to do his work. It is God who calls all believers unto himself. And it is God who also calls and blesses ministry according to his purposes and plans. Today, Pastor David explains how Paul faced criticism from false teachers regarding his ministry. And Paul's defense was to point to the lives of those being transformed for God. God does not bless our lives and ministry so that we can boast about our own accomplishments. As you obey and trust God, He'll work His plan, which is greater than you can understand. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, Believing the Lie Over the Truth. We're going to see some things later on as we get into chapter 11, as Paul gives a, kind of the resume of his life. You need to understand, he's not saying that. He says, see, see what I've done? See what I've done? I'm better than you? No, Paul is, again, just defending the lies, the false teachings, and the attacks of the enemy that have come over and over and over because of his love for the church in Corinth. I believe that Paul could not care less as far as what these guys said about him. What he cared about was how it was impacting the church there at Corinth. Paul wasn't saying he was better. He didn't need their approval. He simply wanted the church to remember the call that was on his life and the evidence of that call that had been lived out right in front of them there in Corinth. Look what he says in verse 12. We dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves, are comparing themselves among themselves, and they're just not wise. I'm not going to begin, you know, tit for tat against these guys and say, hey, yeah, but my, my school was better than yours. My master's degree was higher quality than yours. My CPA class was tougher than yours. No, he's not, he's not going there at all. You only learned your trade on, online while I went through many years of school. No, he's not going there at all. But he will, in a moment, talk about what he himself had to go through. 
I'm not going to compare myself to anyone else. He says, those that compare themselves to themselves, they're just not wise. Verse 13, he says, we, however, we're not going to boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. So again, Paul is going to focus on the needs of that church in Corinth so that they might remain balanced. Beloved, you need to understand that at any time through the age of the church over these last 2,000 years, false prophets have come in and out of churches. They've drifted in, sometimes totally unaware, sometimes very evident. And the attack of the enemy is to get you and I to get the church off track to get us out of balance, not believing the truth of God's word, but believing the the logic or the understanding of man, weakening the word of God within our lives. And when the attack of the enemy comes in our lives, we don't have anything to stand on. We have no foundation. Why? Because they've watered down this word. Perhaps they don't even teach this word. They teach all kinds of self-helps and, and be good and, and you know nice things to say, but there's no foundation of God's word. And it's the foundation of God's word that will keep you in the midst of the storm, keep you strong and understanding who God is and who you are. And I love that. The fact that the word of God is very honest about who we are. And all the characters, and I do say characters, within the Word of God from the very beginning to the very end, it shows their their weaknesses, their warts, their stains, their brokenness, their failures. But you know what? In the midst of all that, it also shows how God in His might and His power lifts up those that have fallen, strengthens those who are weak, and uses those that have failed. That's our God. Amen? That, that's, that's the thing that I love about the Word of God. It's not a bunch of things that just you know, makes you feel good. No, sometimes I read that and I said, man, that makes me feel bad. Man, that's pointed right to my heart. And you know what? We need to feel that way sometimes in order that we might be corrected, be instructed. Paul says, I'm not going to boast beyond anything except those things that include you, those things that deal with you. Albert Barnes, a Bible commentator years gone by, states, it's not an uncommon thing for men to have such confidence in their own gifts and particularly in a power of fluent speaking as to suppose that this is a sufficient evidence that they are sent to preach the gospel. Those that have come in, great orators, man, interesting speakers. People listen to them. Oh, they laugh. They're 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 just drawn into the. And yet, there's no authority of God's word. There's no anointing of the Spirit in their life. And yeah, they may raise great crowds of people, but it's not impacting lives for the sake of the gospel. It's not impacting lives for eternity. Even today, a large congregation, a professional worship team, a massive budget, allowing for all kinds of bells and whistles, and as I say to a lot of people, dog and pony shows, you know, that does not equate with the good pleasure of God. That does not. Just because it's big doesn't mean that God is blessing it. The good pleasure of God, and we need to understand this. 
I don't care if you're in a big church, little church, uh, home Bible study, home church, whatever it is. The good pleasure of God comes when a people are taught well, equipped thoroughly, and walk in obedience to the call of God in their lives, both in the good times as well as in the hard times. And that's what's going to see where the good pleasure of God is. The pleasure of God is on that ministry. Man, there are only 40 or 50 people, but I see those guys out, out in the world. Eh? I see those guys at work. I see those, those, those women out on the, the street and in and, and the grocery stores and in the restaurants, and man, they're living their faith. They're on fire for Jesus. Oh, but God can't be in that. There's only 50 of them. And if God was in that, wouldn't it be like 5,000? No, not necessarily. I could name some names of some ministries that have thousands and thousands that I don't believe that God is in. Warren Wearsby reminds us, we've got to be careful that it is fruit that comes from spiritual life and not results that appear as we manipulate people and manufacture statistics. It's the fruit of our life that makes a difference. And that's what Paul is trying to drive in to the church here in Corinth. Guys, it's not about big speaker. It's not about a big program. It's about the fruit of the lives of the people. Paul had no great desire to continue or to promote or even to state his own case. And yet, because of the insistence of these others in Corinth that took such strong stands against Paul, against his ministry, he himself had to take the stand to combat that corruption of the enemy that was moving into the ministry there in Corinth. These false teachers that puffed themselves up there in the eyes of God's people. Paul had to do something. Why? Not for his own sake, but because he cared about the people. Because he knew that they were going to be led astray by the slick words and by the slick programs of these false teachers. So once again, Paul begins to write out his resume to state his case. Again, not not in boasting, but in the honest evaluation of his own life, of his experiences, of his call within his life, the call of God within his life. We can read through the book of Acts. You're going to read where there were times in Paul's life, man, where he was so distressed that God had to come and speak to him and says, hey, it's going to be okay. Man, I've got a lot of work for you in this city. You're not going to die here. I'm going to watch over you. Why do you think God would have to say that to the Apostle Paul? I believe it because he had doubts, because he had fears, because there was discouragement within his life. Don't put him on the pedestal just like we were talking Sunday about what we do with the apostles. Man, we put them in stained glass. We put them, you know, in marble statues, and we say, whoa, those guys are untouchables. No, they're not. They're men just like we are with issues in their life. God used them mightily and powerfully. There's no doubt about that. But don't put them up there so high that you think they're beyond reach. And even, I might say, don't put pastors, ministry leaders, in in any way, the same situation. The only reason I'm up on a platform is so I can see all of your eyes to make sure you stay awake while I'm preaching, okay? Look at verse 14. Paul says, We're not overextending ourselves as though our authority didn't extend to you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ. 
He says, in other words, I, I have a responsibility to you. Oh, and by the way, you have a responsibility back. We were the ones that birthed you. We came with the gospel to Corinth, and that was the beginning of that ministry. Verse 15, not, not boasting of things beyond measure, that is, in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, you shall be greatly enlarged, or we shall be greatly enlarged by you in your sphere to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. Paul is saying that, you know what, as you guys grow, that's encouraging for us in the ministry. As, as you guys continue to do what God has called you to do, you know what, that, that energizes us when we go out into a difficult field and we find people that, man, their lives are messed up and they're struggling, but I see what God is doing in you, and yeah, that encourages us. I can speak that to you all day long because I see that even as a pastor. As, as I see lives within this fellowship here, man, getting on fire for the Lord, serving the Lord, dedicating their lives, their families, their children to the things of the Lord, seeking the Lord in a multitude of ways and serving him. You know what? How encouraging that is to a pastor as they say, wow, God, this is awesome. Not that I'm doing anything, but I see your spirit working and moving in this place. And it's an encouragement. And it is a challenge. But beloved, it is also strengthening as we continue on in the work of the gospel. When we started this ministry back in 1900s, uh, <laughs> back in 1991, I've shared this story with you, but I'll share it with you again. We came here and we decided, just again, testing the waters of the Lord. We said, Lord, if, if this is where you want us, we'll be here for five years. We'll try it for five years. We'll, we'll hang in there. We'll persevere for five years. Our daughter was in between her seventh and eighth grade, and we figured instead of moving her all around, she'd be able to do her eighth grade and all of high school here while we stayed here in Casa Grande. And then, Lord, if at the end of five years we really don't see you in it, then we'll figure, okay, we're open. We'll go where you want us to go. We'll do what you want us to do. That's been Totten prayer all of our lives, all of our married lives. We'll go where you want us to go. We'll do what you want us to do. And you know what? At the end of five years, we didn't have hundreds at that point in time, did we, Bertha? Uh-uh. We, we didn't even have scores at that point in time. We had a couple of dozen on a good day, okay? And some would look at that and say, if God was in that, after five years, are you kidding me? You should be like 500. I mean, that's the Calvary way, isn't it? They open the doors and the people come. Well, we see that so often in other areas, but that didn't happen here that way. At the end of five years, there was, there was a handful or a few more than that. And you know what, Todd and I, talked and we prayed and said, you know what? This may not be what we thought would be, but we believe that God is here and God is working in these couple of dozen people. And so we remained. And you know what? The work of God through the lives of those dozens continued to work and to spread 
And it is an encouragement. I can read these words of Paul here and said, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in your sphere to preach the gospel in the regions even beyond you, not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment as we see your faith is increased. What an excitement that has to be. At the same time, Paul saw that excitement or that anticipation of the church of Corinth's faith being increased. And just like in every ministry, when God begins to move in a ministry, you need to know the enemy does not take that lying down. He will do anything and everything he can to bring discouragement, attack, division, divisiveness, all kinds of things within a ministry to squelch what God is doing. And yeah, through the years we've seen that. But you know what? Through the years we have also seen the faithfulness of God in such a powerful way in individual lives and families' lives and groups of people that at one point were divided against each other, even within the fellowship of this one church, and yet coming back together. People that have left this fellowship and yet have come back into this fellowship through the years. We've seen God do those things, and what an encouragement that is. So I can look at what Paul is saying. Man, when we see your faith is increasing, man, that emboldens us. He goes on, verse 17, and this is the point. And this is the point I want to make also, even in what I just said about us here at Calvary. Paul says, but he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. You need to know, because I definitely know it was not anything of me. Paul says, this isn't me. This is God's work and God's calling. And that's what he wants the Corinthian church to see. Don't be lifting up man, whether it be these false teachers or even the apostle Paul. But don't believe the lies and bring down what God has been doing within Paul's life for the work of that ministry. He says in verse 18, for not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. It is the work of God It is the ministry of God. It is the anointing of God. It's the leading of God. It's the empowering of God. And it is the results of God within people's lives. And yeah, he just uses cracked, chipped, and stained vessels to make his will known and to do his work. Paul had no problem boasting about the ministry that had been accomplished underneath his calling but he was certain to let the boasting be about the hand and the provision of God, not the skill of the apostle Paul. He was a man called, he was a man that was equipped by God, not by education of man, not by the influence of man, but by the spirit of God within his life. And through, although the chapter breaks right here at verse 18, Let's continue on because I believe that Paul continues on in his defense of his calling and his authority here. Let's move into chapter 11. I I love how he puts this here in verse 1. He says, oh, that you would bear with me a little little folly. Indeed, you, you do bear with me. Paul knows to try to boast about himself, to say things about himself. He says, that's ridiculous. I, I hate doing that. I don't want to do that. I want to boast in... Christ. I want to boast in the power of God. I don't want to say anything about me. But he says, just bear with me for a little bit, if you will. And as a matter of fact, you've already bared with me already. 
And he moves on, verse two. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. The honesty, I believe, of Paul's humility here cannot be overstated. I think as Paul is writing this, it's probably ripping him apart to write not only what he's writing here, but what he's going to be writing in, in the following verses. You could, if you could understand all the dynamics that are going on here, he knows that so far he's had to write in a way that should seem ridiculous, absolutely folly to most people always and continually having to prove himself and to write about his own accomplishments. It would be as if somebody came and said, oh, this is my degree in this, and this is my degree in this, and this is my accomplishment over here. And and that's what they're boasting about. That's what they're continually saying. But Paul says, no, you guys are the ones. I don't want to boast about me. I, I'm, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I, I've given you to one husband. And my position is literally as a friend of the groom to present you to Jesus Christ, ready for him. Here he tells him, I, I've done this, I've written these things because I care about you. I don't want you to be led astray. I want you to continue to be strong and in true doctrine, being understanding those things, prepared to meet your groom, the Lord Jesus. Look what he says here in verse three. But I fear. I fear that lest somehow as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from what, church? The simplicity that is in Christ the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we've not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Wow. You understand what he's saying? I'm afraid because these guys are going to come in with lies. They're going to come in with other stories. They're going to come in with another testament. They're going to come in with the word of God that you can only read through special glasses and or that an angel has spoken to them. And you know what? You guys are going to fall for it. I'm afraid for that. That's why you and I need to be grounded within the word of God. You know who the greatest number of converts to Mormonism, to LDS are those who profess to be Christians and yet aren't grounded in the Word of God because they have a little truth, then they believe a little truth, makes them with an abundance of lies. And Paul is about that. That's what Paul's worried about. No, don't don't be deceived. The lies and the deceit of the enemy have come from the very first. He he says, man, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when Eve was deceived by by a little bit of truth and yet an abundance of lies. And that's how the enemy works. He'll mix truth with lies and so that those who are truly founded on the solidness of God's Word are willing to believe the lie over the truth. Open our 
2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That means you're made completely new in Jesus. He has washed away every sin that has blemished your past and has given you the opportunity to start fresh and live a different life. If you want to know more about Jesus and the life of forgiveness and love He has waiting for you, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That number again is 520-836-9676. You can also send us an email by visiting our website at theopenword.com. As a next step, we encourage you to find a solid Bible-based church to help you grow in your walk with God. With a special invitation regarding that, here's Pastor David. Yes, thanks, Chris. Even as believers, most of us need a fresh start at times. I hope that today's message has encouraged you in your faith and given you a hunger to learn more about God. If you're in the Casa Grande area and are looking for a church to attend, I'd be honored to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can find directions and service times by visiting theopenword.com and following the links at the bottom of the page to our church homepage. We'd love to have you get connected in. Being a part of our time of worshiping our Creator and studying the words of the Bible verse by verse as we all strive to grow closer to Him each week. Thanks, Pastor David. We're so glad you joined us today here on The Open Word. Pastor David will return to share more from the book of 2 Corinthians right here on The Open Word. Make us more.